You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Acts chapter 14, we'll begin reading at verse 21. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sent back they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Just the hearing of your word, Lord, creates faith. Mm. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would take the very word of God and seal it in our hearts. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you're saying to the church today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we continue in the first missionary journey... <clears throat> We, we've ended the last message with Paul being stoned and then resurrected as the disciples gathered around him, which we understood in, in Discipleship 101 back in the early church, especially when you're going to, to new places and proclaiming the gospel for the first time, as soon as you get some converts who come together and, and, and they believe in Jesus, you have a how to raise the dead workshop as quick as possible because you don't know when the Jews are going to come down and stir things up and you're going to get rocked. And, and so with the stoning, there's, there's a real need in the early church for everybody to know how to raise the dead because how many times was Paul stoned? Mm -hmm. Too many. <laughs> He was beaten. He was stoned. It's good to have a, a, a thorough understanding of the healing ministry and the raising of the dead ministry if you're going to be preaching the gospel uh, around the world. So I, I thought that was pretty good. I like that. And, and from there, they, they go to Derby. And when they go to Derby, we get this huge report of all the incredible things that happen in Derby, listing each healing separately. No, it says uh, they preach the good news a large, and won a large number of disciples. End of story. Derby. That's Derby for you. Huh. They go there, they do what they do. They preach the good news and they win a bunch of disciples. They don't say anything about the Jews following them. 
Why is that? At Lystra, they just stoned him for dead. And instead of getting up and hightailing it out and going to Derby, no, he gets up and he goes right back into Lystra and he spends the night and the next day he gets up and leaves. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was one of the stoners, the one hurling the stones, and all of a sudden I see the guy that we left for dead, walking, talking, breathing, I might be a little hesitant the next time to throw a rock. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say that they ever went to Derby. None of, the, none of the, the persecution followed the Derby. There they were able to preach, and because of what they endured in Lystra, they were able to preach in such a way, wow, people came to Christ. I love it. I think it's so cool. When we, when we look into what was happening in the early pronouncements of the gospel to people who have never heard the good news. So they preached the good news, large number of disciples, and from there they decided to return and head back home. So they go back from Derby to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch, and, and that's where all this persecution started, was at Antioch. They're at Antioch and everything's going well, except for then the, the Jewish religious leaders get jealous because the week before when Paul and Barnabas shared, it was such a radical understanding that now through Jesus, his, his death and his resurrection, you can now be forgiven from your sins. You can be forgiven and released from all the things that the law could never release you from has been now ours through the blood of Christ, we can have full forgiveness and come into a full relationship with God found no longer lacking, but welcomed into his presence. And when they heard that good news, they wanted to hear more the next week. So they, they get ready. Here's the next week. They've been teaching uh, uh, many people who were following Paul and Barnabas after that so much so that when they get ready for the next Sabbath, it says the whole city, almost the whole city comes out to hear them. Jealousy. Can you believe it? You know, the Jews that were hearing the message in the synagogue were, were believing the message. They were receiving the message. It was an encouraging word. They were receiving it with thanksgiving and all of this. But then when they come back and they see the whole city's come, it's like they're jealous. We didn't have this many in church last week. How's come, you know, when Rabbi Fred was going to give the message, you know, nobody showed up. But Paul and Barnabas come back and boom, everybody's here. Isn't that interesting? The evil one will always use whatever avenue he has in our heart to exploit, to do as much damage as possible to the progression of the gospel in the earth, the expansion of the kingdom. And so we see that this is where the persecution started. It goes with them then to Iconium. And we have these incredible uh, healing signs, wonders, miracles, Lystra, the, the, the crippled feet, of, of the one who had never walked, was like that from birth, is able to walk, not only have his feet healed, 
but is able to walk and maintain his balance. So we have all this incredible stuff, but now persecution follows until the stoning. And once the stoning happens and, and Paul doesn't leave, he goes back in, then from then on, they don't follow them to Derby. Derby is one of the few places where Paul preached without persecution. And then from there, he's on his retreat. So he's going right back. He's going right back to the people that were threatening to mistreat him. You know, they were threatening, threatening to stone him. They didn't get the chance because they left. They did stone him and he came back. And now he's coming back again, going through and retracing his steps. Why would anyone do that? You know, if you call me to preach at your church and you don't like what I say and you're throwing rocks and tomatoes at me or whatever, you know, I, I'm not going to be real eager to go back to your church. Now, I, I'm going to think, you know, I don't think the Lord's really calling me uh, to go to that place, you know. Now, if I go there and you write me a big check and you just really love it, well, I feel more led to go to that. No. <laughs> so so you, you see, the, the dynamic of the kingdom is really coming to the forefront. It's not American Christianity. It's the kingdom of God Christianity. It's the kingdom of God that says there's going to be hardships. There's going to be difficulties. Things aren't going to be easy peasy. So what, do, what are they doing as they're going through there? First of all, they're strengthening the disciples. They're strengthening the disciples. These are people who are a year old in Christ, maybe two at the max. They've come to the Lord and uh, they're coming to nurture them. And, and they're not just nurturing the believers, they're nurturing disciples. Why? Because is that not the Great Commission? Go and make disciples. It's not just go and get somebody to make a decision to come to Christ. No, it's after they've made a decision to come to Christ, disciple them. Get them established, rooted, and grounded in the truths of Jesus. And so as they do that, they're disciples. But what now Paul and Barnabas are doing, they're coming and they're, they're strengthening the existing relationship of the disciples in their, in their walk with the Lord. Secondly, they're encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Remain true to the faith. Remain true to the faith. Even if you get mistreated, remain true to the faith. You know, a lot of times in our culture, yeah, I received Jesus and he comes into my heart and I get up and after celebrating what the Lord has done on Sunday, I get up and I go to my car and I've got a flat tire and I think, oh, God doesn't love me. Oh, yeah, he did. He died for you. Oh, the furnace breaks. Oh, woe is me. Life is so hard. Oh, it's so difficult. We, we have one little thing. We stub our toe. Oh, the devil, he made me do it. We have all the little flippant things. And, and here in, the, in, in Christianity 101, we're, we're discovering, no, you're going to have some hardships. So they're encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And then we get a, a little excerpt of what that message looked like when it says, 
we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So we're going to start a new series, The Hardships You Must Enter to Come into the Kingdom of God. And I think we're going to pack the church. Everybody's going to want to know about the hardships that you got endured to come into the kingdom. Nobody wants to hear about the hardships you got to endure, but folks, that's part of the kingdom. You know, you may have been the most congenial person ever in your place of employment until all of a sudden the kingdom comes and it starts to live within you and it starts to manifest from you. And now all of a sudden people that loved you don't love you. And, and you're being overlooked in the promotions and, and you're, you're having things said about you. That's just not true. There's gonna be hardships, folks. There's gonna be hardships. Now, I think having been stoned and continuing to proclaim the good news and, and release the kingdom, and then as you're coming back, the people know, they've heard, I thought they killed that guy at Lystra. And now you're coming and you're still proclaiming the good news. You're strengthening the disciples. Now when you're saying, this is, this is the kingdom, it carries a little more authority, probably a little more weight, because they know the price that you're paying to carry the message and to bring the good news to them. And when they hear it, they hear it a little differently. It's not pie-in-the-sky Christianity. It's where the kingdom meets the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God meets the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of God wins and advances and increases and multiplies and continues to, to develop and go forth. Yeah, I think there's, uh, there's some really amazing stuff here. I love it when you preach the kingdom and there's all sorts of manifestation of God's favor, of God's presence. There's healings. There's prophetic words that change lives. There's manifestations of the Holy Spirit that just abound and abound and abound. I was listening to Graham Cook and he was talking about the first time he went to India and he took a team with him to India. And he was there and they were ready to go in. He says, it was a disaster. And I thought, can anybody imagine Graham Cook going anywhere and it being a disaster? I, 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 just, I just can't believe it. He says, there was no breakthrough the first night. There was no breakthrough the second night. There was no breakthrough all week long. Matter of fact, the whole team got sick, and after the first day, most of them wanted to go home. And he said, and I kind of got out of the spirit, <laughs> and, he, and he's sharing about how difficult and hurt and how embarrassed he was. Anybody know about embarrassment? You're ready to go for something in the kingdom and you think this is going to be the best thing ever, and you get it out there and you put yourself out there and all of a sudden nothing happens. And you're going, God, the audacity. How could you not show up and, and show them how anointed I am with your presence? Out of that, Graham wrote his, his book on manifestation and hiddenness. 
And that there's times when God doesn't show up and he hides, not because he's trying to punish us or he wants us to look bad. He wants to embarrass us. He wants us to to look like a jerk, but because he knows that for us to go to the next level of kingdom activity, there's something that we have to learn and something that we have to grow into that we'll learn no other way than when things don't go the way we think they should. I don't like that. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And it's like, come on, God, you've called me to this. Now you're supposed to, you know, if you've called me, you're supposed to come through. You're supposed to supply. You're always supposed to be present. I don't like it when you don't do that. Instead of going, Lord, I'm coming into your presence with a different attitude today. But I'm not not coming into your presence. And I know there's something that I don't know that you do know that you want me to know. So I'm all ears. Because I really don't want to experience this again. So Lord, what is, it that you, what is it that you want to teach me? What is it that you want to reveal to me? What is it that you want to show me so that I can grow? I don't know about you, but for me, oftentimes it's when I start getting a little too big for my britches. You know, I think I've got this thing of the kingdom pretty well in hand and I understand how the Holy Spirit works and I understand healing and I understand deliverance and I understand all the things that I understand or at least I think I understand. The Lord wants to remind me that there's a whole lot more to be learned. And there's nothing like humility when we humble ourselves or when we go through the pain of being humbled that makes us teachable. Now, the enemy wants to use that to harden our heart and, you know, raise our fist to God and how dare you after all I've done for you and all this kind of stuff instead of, taking a posture that says, boy, Lord, there's a whole lot more that I don't know. And I know that my heart's not responding appropriately, but I know what I know, that you are good, that you are holy, that you are loving, and that you are kind, that you have absolute power over everything, all authority in heaven and on earth, it's been given to you. And so I come and I bow at your feet. Teach me, Lord. Teach me what you want me to learn when I'm going through a season of hiddenness. Teach me what you're saying. I don't think Paul did anything wrong. But there's probably something that he learned in that stoning about the kingdom. And from that point on, we see that he adds the perils and the hardships in his discipleship process. 
he disciples and encourages and, and strengthens the disciples by telling them that we will have hardships. Hmm. And everybody said, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's adding a, a reality dimension to the discipleship process. Okay. And from there he goes on and he begins to appoint leaders called elders in all the churches, in all the cities that he's been to. And so he's, he's finding out who is to be appointed. And so they appoint elders and they do this through prayer and fasting. Uh, they, they pray in each church and they fast and they then commit each leader to the Lord for leadership in that church. So here's a map of uh, where they preach the word. So they, oh, we're just getting caught up. There we go. It's a little smaller than it has been. But as they, as they go through in the upper part, up in Galatia, you see all the different places that they've gone, and then they go back, and now we get a, uh, just a summary of, of the places that they're coming back to, and uh, they're going all the way back to Syrian Antioch. And this Antioch up here, uh, the highest point where the arrow, the highest point on the journey up in Galatia, that's Antioch, but that's Pisidian Antioch, and over here on the far right, where you see Seleucia and then above that Antioch, that's Syrian Antioch. And that's where they were sent out and that's where they're going back. And so that's, that's where they're heading. So that helps us see where, where they've gone, what they're doing, and they're going backtrack and they return home. When they get back to Antioch, look what happens. This is the place where they were committed to the grace of God for the work that they had now completed. So they go back having completed what they've been sent for. They gather the church together. So they have a church meeting. Everybody gets together. They report all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. That's not the first time, but they've seen that what has happened even in Antioch is continuing to happen in other parts of the world. That the gospel, the Gentiles are responding to the gospel. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples in Antioch. Let's pray. I believe the Lord wants to strengthen his disciples this morning. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard when those who are in leadership go through difficulties or when we go through difficulties, hardships, part of it, wants us to learn, wants us to develop, wants us to grow. I think we do quite well when he's manifesting his presence 
He wants to teach us how, how to humble ourselves and how to grow when there's hiddenness. So the one, there be no offense in our heart toward the Lord. But when those things that happen that offend us, we're able to realize, okay, Lord, you're good. You haven't changed. What is it that you want to speak to me? What is it that you want to reveal to me today? What am I not seeing? What have I yet to understand? Where have I got my wires crisscrossed? I think in the moment of hiddenness, it's a wonderful time to get things that you didn't know that you didn't have. And the Lord wants to add to us. Hmm. It can also be a time when we have something that the Lord wants to remove. And so we just humbly open our heart and allow him access to take out anything that needs to be taken out. So if you're someone who's who's had an offense that hasn't been resolved yet with the Lord, I believe this morning is a, a morning of resolution. And the Lord wants to uh, give us a grace to humble ourselves before him. Because when we think we understand our injustice, oftentimes we're unable to hear what he wants to tell us. And so we just humble ourselves before you, Lord. We receive the grace to even do that. We say, Lord, give us a willing spirit, a teachable spirit, cause us to, to be able to in humility, receive all the things that you want us to receive. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd give us the grace to just lay before the Lord and allow him to perform surgery this morning and to take things out that need to be taken out. Hmm. And Father, if there's things in us that are not functioning the way that you've designed them to function, not, not only physiologically, but emotionally and, and psychologically, mentally, volitionally, we give you access to our inner, internal world. And we say, Lord, restore kingdom order. Father, where we've gone as far as we can without a next installment, we just humbly lay ourselves before you and just say, Lord, would you release to us the next level that you have for us? Lord, it's our heart to know you more intimately than what we do now. It's our heart to worship you with more passion than we've been able to muster up until now. It's our heart to serve you and to be light, salt, to release life, 
proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, to see broken hearts healed, blind eyes, lepers see and cleansed, Lord, to see captives released, and those that are in prison, the doors open. Mm. We pray, Father, that you would give us more. And we trust you and your fathering to know how much we can handle. And so we just present ourselves and just say, Lord, give us as much as we can carry. Give us as much as we can responsibly walk with you. Yes. And Father, I, I pray for our hearts where they've, they've been hardened because of, of the embarrassment, where they've, they've hardened because of the difficulty, the persecution, the opposition that has come against us. I pray, Father, that you would come and that you would release a salve from heaven and massage it into our heart to where the hardness would no longer keep us from forgiving, where the hardness would no longer block us from being able to receive your love for others, especially those that are similar or represent or remind us of those who have, have harmed us. And I pray, Father, that you'd go even beyond that to give us a grace to forgive the worst perpetrator of offense to us personally today. That we might release them as we have been forgiven. Lord, may we forgive from the heart. In the name of Jesus. Hmm. And so, Father, I say, would you, in your kindness, release your spirit to impart words of encouragement, words of grace, words of truth and life, that we might bless one another with the words that you have given to us. I had a sense that there might be someone that has a word from the Lord for us. Do you sense that the Lord's given you something that he wants you to share? As the worship team plays, I just invite you to worship as they play, but also part of worship is, is receiving and sharing the things that the Lord gives you. If the Lord's given you a word for someone, make sure you, you bless them with that word and give them that word. And so let's, let's minister one to another. If there's a difficulty and, and 
the message today, you're still not free, uh, whatever. I don't know, whatever. That's very descriptive. Whatever, just come on up and we'll pray for you. If, if you're stuck, if you need some assistance in, in getting free uh, of uh, some embarrassment or some offense, get a word. I knew somebody had a word. Bless you, Eric. Lord gave me a Lord really for, for the church and it's, it's prosperity, but not so much in the financial aspect of it. It's really prosperity within the third hymn and where you're at in the kingdom with him right now. And he wants to give all of us insight to where he wants to take us, which is really amazing. Because a lot of us sit here, we always wonder, well, what's next, what's next? And some of us, like myself, and I know my wife's in this boat, I think Rick is too. We always want to see the end result so we know where we're going. It makes the whole path a lot easier. And I believe he wants to show a good portion of us here, not just our end result, but the, but the entire path. And it may not look how we want to, but he's going to show us how we're going to be able to prosper within it through him along that path, which is going to make everything so much easier and you're just going to know that you know that you know who you are just within and through Christ and through the Holy Spirit but also what you're doing and where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing even when you don't want to go do what you want to do or what you, you know you're supposed to do if that makes sense but he's going to really show us how we can prosper within and through him in this season and if you press into that word I, I know that he's going to show us I just mm-hmm. seal that over Amen. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Let's all stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.